Welcome to the Positively Practical Podcast, an adventure in learning with me, Lydia Krupp. This podcast will focus on all the ideas, discussion topics, thoughts, learning opportunities that I come across in my current position in instructional technology. Both guests this week bring their own awesomeness and flair to the education field, both in the high school setting and in higher ed. I've known David and Shannon for a while, and I always enjoy talking to them, so much so that um, this was a very long interview and so hard to cut down, but I did it, and I am very grateful for them volunteering to be guests on this podcast. So I hope you enjoy this week with them. Hello, my name is Shannon, and I'm a teacher at a high school here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's a large high school, and I teach 11th grade and 12th grade right now. This is David Howard, and uh, I teach as well. I taught at the same school, a large public high school in North Texas for some time, but I also teach online uh, with with a community college, a very diverse community college, and then also teach for a university, uh, teach history for a private uh, Christian university. That's kind of a smaller institution, um, but I teach a blend of students who are in their first year or two of college and or dual credit students as well. So they may be in a high school setting and uh, or maybe even a homeschool setting and are looking for college credit. And so... I do that. Um, And so a little bit about myself. I was a um, I was a quote. How would I describe myself in high school? I was kind of a maybe a reluctant learner a little bit and uh, didn't really kind of hit my stride until college. And so since then, um, academia has been. Uh, you know, kind of a part of my life, whether as a student or whether teaching or in administration at a university, uh, either way. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I am currently trying to finish a dissertation. And uh, so that takes up a great deal of my time as well. So a little bit about me there. Excellent. Okay. And yes, I know I'm cheering you on from over here in your dissertation. That's going to be awesome. Dr. Howard. It'll be great. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for either one of you or both of you, if we think way back before March, before we were all put in shelter in place or whatever, how did you feel about online and distance learning or technology in the classroom? Well, I'll go first. I loved it because that was part of my goals actually was to uh, create an environment in the classroom where I was more of a classroom concierge where I would guide and direct the students to be self-directed. So I was already on a path of introducing technology, using as many tools as possible to get a wider variety of learning styles. Um, So I felt really good and I was really excited about some of the tools that I'd learned about um, when I went to the technology conference in Austin and I got some equipment because I wrote a grant and had this visible thinking so that the students would work in teams and groups. And I had all this research to back it up. So before March, 
I really was on a good path. I had a pretty good handle on Google Classroom and managing assignments and uh, using some common lit and um, can't think of that other one that I used. Uh, ELA, <laughs> what's it called? Newzella. Uh, New yeah, Newzella. Yeah. Yeah. So I used that uh, that year. So it seems like so long ago now. That's what's really funny. It seems like eternity ago, but I really was already yeah. on that path. So I feel like kind of good about it, you know, that when we transitioned, it was not that difficult for me as a teacher, but it might have been more difficult for my students without the direction. Yeah, I, um, prior to this, uh, prior to COVID, I guess, prior to March, um, I had been teaching for several years at the university online, but uh, just kind of, you know, part-time. And then, and so it's very individualistic in that regard. And, you know, they have, you know, and that kind of comes with a prepackaged kind of a program. Um, and I facilitate a lot, give guidance, interact a lot with students um, and create some videos, uh, kind of more than anything, video lectures, that type of deal. But in the public school, one of the things that um, that I looked for, in fact, I I pursued was the technology classroom. And so um, we ended up with a large screen TV. There is a device where you could plug in multiple computers and it was this collaboration station kind of thing. And uh, students could work on, and, and this is a little bit different than say a Google doc to some degree. Uh, it could float back and forth that you could do that in your presentations um, some other things like that. So was really interested in that. For me, the technology, whether it was the individual uh, following a canned uh, kind of program that needed human interaction or a here's a tool to collaborate with or here's a tool in the classroom to go at your own pace. Those were the kind of things that that I'd had experience with um, with before. Uh, this all hit in March. That's fantastic. I love what both of you said. And um, it just makes me remember how much I enjoyed working with both of you so much. I'm like, yes, this is great. We should all be doing this all the <laughs> yeah. time. Um, it's awesome. Okay. So did um, the sheltering in place and then the way that this past school year started, how, I guess, how did it affect these things y'all were already doing? Because Shannon, you said you were on a good path. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what it looks like now. Like, what does that path look like now? And then even David with the things you used to do in the classroom versus what you're doing with your virtual students. Okay. So right when the shutdown hit and we were all in shock and we didn't know what was happening one day to the next, the very first thing that the students were told was that they got an extended spring break, but that was really not true because about the teachers had to kind of regroup and be given instructions. And we were told then to keep giving in assignments, to set up a Google Classroom, which of course I already had one set up, to give assignments, to continue learning the best we can, flipping to this uh, technology platform, which I already had in place. So for me, it was not that big of a deal. 
for other teachers, um, and I already ha- kind of had a little system of how I thought the students would uh, accept assignments better. So the teachers that I worked with, um, two other teachers, and we all taught pre-AP last year together, English, 10th grade, uh, said, oh, I, I think we would be best if we did this like week-long, sort of like a menu, sort of like a little week-long thing of assignments where we just put everything in one uh, slideshow where it's really easy to see the assignments, where the expectations are super clear um, and put everything in writing and make sure that each page and each assignment had very detailed instructions, clear due dates. And it was like, yeah, that's good. That's really good. So a lot of teachers, I mean, we had like no communication. We didn't know how to communicate with each other yet. Nobody was set up on Google Meets yet, you know, so much. So mm-hmm. we were all just kind of texting. I mean, my teachers that I worked with, we were just texting back and forth and deciding what to do, sharing our assignment, saying, what do you think about this? Yes, that looks great. We'll all use this. It'll be, it'll work. And we would add and take away from that one assignment and try to be, we would put our own little um, personality into it, which we always did. We would have very similar things, but we would put our own little personality in. So they weren't identical sometimes, but we would adapt them to our students and to our own teaching style. I think that people might have even used kind of our week to week model because I told our administrators about it and said it's good, I think, to have like this weekly, you know, don't contact them so much, but be there if they need help. But don't just pile all these Mm -hmm. individual assignments, just put it all out there at once, then they can sort through. And I, I even gave them a little digital schedule that they can they could fill out to say, okay, I'll do this work on this day, you know, and they could adjust it to however they wanted to and individualize it, personalize it. But some of them didn't have the tools to do that. They didn't I would give them the resources, but they just didn't have the uh, competency or the time or they were in panic or their parents were out of work all of a sudden or nobody. We right. really didn't know. So the lack of communication was the hardest thing for me to deal with when the shutdown hit. Now it's better because most of my students check in regularly. They attend the Google meets. Most of them, they do their work. Um, We're on a pretty good pace. Um, It could be better, but my VLA, I have really intelligent, great kids this year. So starting this school year, um, again, I had to be really clear with my expectations and sometimes there's miscommunication that you think, well, I can understand exactly why they thought that because if they're not paying attention while I'm speaking on this Google Meet and it's not in writing as well, they could very mm-hmm. well misunderstood misunderstand something. So I just think there's just so many things that uh, we can put in video, we can put it in writing, we can be live, we can, you know, we can layer all the information so that, that they know exactly what's expected. Yeah, I was teaching, uh, I was teaching a face-to-face class um, in the public school, a face-to-face dual credit class. So I was a professor. I would go into the campus uh, on Tuesday, Thursday to teach the class. Um, and so really kind of at that point, um, I kind of adopted what I had been doing for some of the online classes, some of the same 
type of assignments because um, and and at least in the spring, um, our community college that I teach for in the high school coincided, you know, uh, as far as both, you know, right. both uh, didn't go to class. However, that changed a little bit in the fall because the dual credit students at the high school level went to the high school. But yet our community college did not do any face to face in the fall. And so, um, you know, just kind of having to adjust that a little bit. So what I did basically is instead of my my very entertaining <laughs> uh, PowerPoints <laughs> that I use and uh, images, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot you can, you know, we, we may sit there for 10 minutes and analyze an image or talk about it or, you know, and have a discussion on it, that kind of thing. It's kind of these interactive uh, more than anything. Um, and so I resorted to, um, I, you know, for college, you know, you kind of have to think about the the hour requirement and the minute requirement that that students are required to have kind of their, you know, having their their seat, the chair kind of. Um, mm -hmm. And so what I what I did was provided the less than entertaining um, publishers uh, you know, textbook publisher kind of, you know, outlines that were informative and kind of an outline and they, you know, and they continued to have uh, some online things that I did anyway. I mean, they had online quizzes every week. They had a, um, they had to analyze a primary source every week. Uh, those types of things were already online and they already had a, they start on Monday and they close on Sunday night at 1159. And so that was kind of already in place because just kind of the way I, you know, I, I uh, delivered the course. So what it allowed me to do is bring in our, our community college has a great resource um, canopy of document is the, is the, is the brand name. And uh, it's it's just a great resource for documentaries and um, yeah, masterclass lectures, that kind of thing. And so to replace my presence, what I did was find some really good documentaries on the top on a topic in that chapter that week and then had let them do a little reflection on that to kind of replace my face-to-face -face, I guess you know my face-to-face -face time with them and you know and one of my right. goals in that act in those dual credit classes is to help help them learn what they would normally learn as a freshman in college if you go to campus you know and you talk with your friends and all that kind of stuff and and, you know, you're engaging about the professor, what happened. And I'm sure they're doing that to a great deal anyway um, now. But what are they what are they missing by an online class that they would normally get with a face to face experience at a college or university? Because they're going to they're going to walk out of these high schools with 15 18, 24 hours because of all their dual credit courses. So what are they missing along the way by by doing something online? You also mentioned that they're just not going back and looking at the feedback you're leaving on their writing. Um, they just take the grade and they think, well, that's it, and they don't bother. So I'm wondering what kind of supports 
parents or guardians or whoever is supporting learning at home could use to also help support that so that it's not all on just the teacher, especially for students who are learning from home? Like, what do you think would help those people try to support that? Yeah, um, that would be, I think, with these dual credit students um, for the high schools to facilitate um, the the engagement with the with the parents there um, because at the college level we have FERPA and so mm-hmm. um, I can give information to the high schools uh, but then the high school can choose what they what they do with that but for me if parents contact me um, I say contact the high school yep. facilitator you know um, unless the student has signed the document and 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 uh, and and allows the parents to interact with with the faculty, um, but really it right. um, it but I guess that that's kind of that that broad question. How do you how do you get more parental engagement in something and mm-hmm. um, and I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, right. if if right. I had um, if I had an opportunity to uh, to do that, I mean, I do get that sometimes. You know, some parents reaching out, um, but and if I do, um, you know, I tell them to go have a a conversation with the student and then let the student, you know, loop us all in. And um, if, if there's some kind of question there, too. So, um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it, but here's, here's, Lydia, here's the thing I think. It's a student's education doesn't begin until they realize they have to be invested in it. Um, if it, sure. if it is just them getting a degree, then, you know, and if they're checking off a box that they're going to graduate from high school or graduate from college, they get a diploma, but they don't have an education. And so that if, and so I work from that basis of, okay, and I'll, I will reach out to the students and go, have you looked at this? And, and in fact, I have learned that giving somebody a zero gets their attention. And then at the bottom oh. of the rubric that I use to grade and I'll make a comment, hey, it would be great, you know, or if you have questions about this, about redoing this assignment, then please reach out to me. And so then when they reach out to me, then we we start that conversation. And, um, and so they now have become invested in it. And... Um, and they, they, you know, I tell them, I don't doubt your character. I don't, you know, it's none of that. It's, it's the appropriate way to do this and uh, in an academic setting. And, and so then they become a little bit more invested in it. And one of the things I make them do is go and I go before you can get the extra, you know, you can come back and do it for a penalty, you know, before you get that credit, 
then you have to go back and look at the comments on all the other previous essays. So sure. Anyway. Well, I want to. Oh, go ahead. No, I like that. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that is an interesting point of view from the higher ed and with dual credit, because you're right. At some point you aren't allowed to talk to the parent about the student's information. But Shannon, what have you noticed at like uh, like the high school level in terms of what kind of supports would help parents in terms of supporting? Well, if I had it to do over again, starting this fall, I think I would say let's have a Google meet parent meeting and just offer that and see who showed up and see who had questions, explain AP to them, explain the coursework to them, sort of like going over the syllabus, especially because the first three weeks of school, we were all virtual and I should have done it. I thought about it. And in my head, I was going to send more emails and I was going to really communicate with parents. And I had this plan and it I, I don't think I've done a mass email to my parents, not even once. One, because they get a bunch from the school anyway. And I just think they're kind of impersonal. Um, I thought about calling, you know, I had very... <laughs> I had all these things I was going to do, but I do think <laughs> now that I'm used to Google meets a lot more and I'm comfortable with it. And I know that I can lead a group meeting effectively and not waste their time and have a, an agenda and have a Q and a time. I think that it would have been really effective. I'm more comfortable now saying that I, maybe I'll do that in January when we come back, just say, Hey, let's gear up for this spring semester and, Let's talk about the AP exam and the expectations. Let's have any questions from the parents. And so my coursework does lend itself to offer that. I always thought our school would be doing more AP parent communication, but they just don't either. They say they will and then they don't. But it's like I'm not trying to blame anyone because I don't even know who exactly would be in charge of that, to be honest. And I've asked about it several times. So I think it would just be best for me to just talk to my own students and see whose parents and find the best time or even two or three meetings if they couldn't come on like at six o'clock at night or whatever time, you know, say, well, what time would be good and have two or three little meetings because it would be beneficial. I could see the value in it a lot and say, um, you know, and not like a parent conference and not like talking about their grades, just having open communication. And then I guess I've done these little surveys where I try to figure out by the question that I ask how much support they get at home. Um, so I do get a feel for that because they'll say, you know, that their parents both work or, you know, uh, they have this, this little get to know you thing I did at the beginning of the year. I know how many siblings they have. I know you know, they share what they want to share. So I can figure out some of those things about their home life and their family life and what they need. But it is a challenge because it's hard to communicate with the students who are VLA who I've never met in person, don't even know them, just have an online relationship. And that's what David is going through with his college students. I think it's so much easier to explain this educational philosophy face to face and in person than it is virtually. They just don't get to know you as well. They're not as open and free. They don't get to know your personality and know that they trust us, that we're guiding them along a good path. And so I do think that's the missing element, too, that, you know, we don't have a parent open house or a, you know, we just don't have that like we did last year. Sure. And 
No, and I, I think it's great that you're even thinking about starting the new semester off with it. I think that's a good point. You go, okay, I know I should at least do this because I think a lot of places, um, especially where I work and stuff, there's also this, I don't want to call it a fear, but a hesitation because they also don't want to overwhelm the parents and yeah. students by giving them too many things to attend, right? Like, well, we want to send yes. this, but they're already getting 20 emails from so-and-so. And we want to do this. They're already getting two newsletters and a, and a weekly blah, blah, video and blah, blah, blah. And so there, there is this conscious effort also to not completely bombard people, especially parents. But I like the idea of at least, you know, start the semester off with a video, have a couple of times they can attend if, if possible and just say, Hey, where are we? How are we doing? What questions do we have? Especially since it's spring, that means their kids will be expected to take that exam and you know, what does that look like and what can they expect? So I actually like that. I think that's a, a nice, easy way to start. You're not having to do any mass emails. You're not having to worry about, you know, overwhelming them. You're just offering this opportunity to to come and ask their questions, which well, might be more than they've so. been offered. So that's yeah, great. So, okay, so let's go ahead and do a glow and a grow. Um, for both of you guys can do it, or if you only have one or the other, that's fine. So, um, you know, glow is a good thing that we're, we like that's going on. And of course a grow is something we could do better. So what's one thing, and you can either pick your district, your campus, a particular teacher that you believe has gone or has done really well during this time. One thing that's gone well during this time. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Why is there such a long pause? <laughs> um, for me, um, <laughs> Um, okay, I really like that our district allowed the AP courses, GT courses, and anything that the platform Eduphoria that our other courses are using, they let us just do our own coursework without having a separate platform that they're separated out for the virtual. So, so I get to teach simultaneously and I have the equipment that I can stand at the podium in front of my room and teach my in-person students and my online students at the same time because I have a standing computer podium that puts everything on the TV. It's called the hover cam. I love it. I got it before all this came about mm -hmm. and it was really more for the students to use and they have used it to create their own presentations and they can do group presentations and have a group that's um, hybrid, mixed, virtual, and in person using the same device. And that I really am proud of that. I'm proud that I have that in the first place. I'm proud that I've learned enough to be able to use it effectively. I can learn so much more and use it more <laughs> than I do, but it's worked really well. And I think that our district made a very wise decision in not saying, Nope, because at first it was going to be, if you're VLA, you're going to this other platform and you will take um, this, whatever it is. I, I don't even know enough about it, but the predetermined curriculum that would be just regular students. So if you were VLA, you would not have the opportunity to take AP. You would take that regular 11th grade curriculum. And so that was kind of a big deal. So they were saying, if you're not in person, you're not going to get the benefit of AP. That was originally how it was presented. Then they changed it. Thank goodness. So I'm like so happy that they changed it and that, um, that now I'm able to teach it simultaneously and have my students as my students without that separate curriculum and separate things to grade. And I can have all the same assignments, all the same expectations. So I really try to make it, 
uh, not any different than virtual versus in person. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I love that because I do feel like I work really hard at that. And my students have commented that they like that. I try to make it be like I treat the virtual and the in-person students the same. So that was a big compliment that my students gave me, not all of them, but a few that I was treating them the same and had the same expectations. That's awesome. Do you want to do a grow as well? Or well, I mean, I was trying to think mine um, in regard to our particular circumstances that we're talking about. I, uh, there's not much that really changed for me on that, you know? Um, so right. anyhow. Right. Yeah. But. That's fine. I totally get Right. You already, y'all had some good stuff in place anyway. So you're, you're right. That's um, probably just keep trucking along that path. But what about a grow? Is there something you hope a, the district or a campus or anything that can reflect on and change moving forward? I think that we semester? can grow our campus and our district. And um, we're like, we're missing something. There's people are falling through the cracks. Some of the students are falling through the cracks and we need to do better at communication and figuring out why. And it's really hard because you don't want to ask the hard questions like what's going on at your house that you can't get on this Google meet or what's happening to you. Cause you were fine a couple of weeks ago and now you're not fine. And it's just hard to figure out. So um, I think we can grow in that and I don't know how to make it grow. I don't know. They're putting in these things like intervention where you send a letter home and, you know, you call first and anybody who's failing has to go do this. And, you know, the tiered intervention plan, which is normal and I'm used to that anyway, but they're being more intentional about that. I'm not sure that that, um, works and I want to do better at understanding I understand why it's in place I understand why we have to do it I don't know that it's effective in getting the students who are falling through the cracks back on board and I feel like almost right. that it's a manipulation that they're trying to prove that our in-person is better than the VLA that the VLA we don't have control over in the in-person, but I find that's not true. I find that the VLA, there are some engaged students who do great and the in-person, some that do great. And in both some not are not doing great. And I don't think that it matters if they're VLA or in-person it's like David was talking about earlier. It's their intrinsic motivation to learn and get an education and something has fallen off there, you know, and, and either the students who are in person, their parents right. are making them come and they don't want to be there. Um, and I noticed that too. We have lots more who are moving from in person to VLA starting in January. You would think that more would be coming back, but for my classes, it's, I have a few right. coming back, but more leaving. And it's like, okay, they have figured out that they can just be at home and not have to be up here. And I don't, I don't yeah. know either what's good about this. So there's something and that is a growth area because I don't know the solution at all. I do. I did think um, I want to talk to like our 
advanced academics department, and they're wonderful about creating like a college prep for GT students, sort of like we have AVID, but since we're not hands-on anymore and we don't see the students mm-hmm. anymore, we don't, they're afraid to ask us for recommendation letters, you know, and those high level gifted students are falling through the cracks right. because we don't have the communication pathway that we have when we're face to face with them and they need it. And so I'm, we're going to propose something to help those students not fall through the cracks because, you know, their college career and their college slash career path, whatever it looks like, is going to be different than it was last year because of the way the colleges all are. So it's like, sure. I want to help them and be committed to their future. I like that. And, you know, I will definitely support that because that was always my concern too, is those gifted kids, um, we weren't, what were we doing to push them ahead? Yeah, we knew they could hit the base marks, but what were we doing to help them get further and to help them grow and to learn? So you're right. I think that is an important thing to look at as well. So, well, we're coming up on our hour. I promise not to keep you guys for more than that. Uh, thank you for everything you've shared already. I love you both very much, and I appreciate y'all coming on my podcast. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Welcome. It was thank so much you. fun. Enjoyed it very much. Great to talk with you. Happy holidays. Yes. Yeah. Bye. Bye. You too. Happy- Another great week with some awesome guests. Some things that stuck with me the most was Shannon's idea of a classroom concierge. I really like the idea of approaching any type of learning that way, especially when we're talking about integrating technology. Also, when we think about communication, how keeping it clear, setting good expectations, but also helping students understand what is the best best method? Am I speaking to my teacher face-to-face? Am I calling my teacher and leaving a message? Am I emailing my teacher? Um, all these things David brought up was great as well. And then, of course, the idea of a parent meeting before the beginning of the semester, especially for those online learners, so that parents understand whoever the learning coach will be at home, um, the expectations for that as well in, in order to achieve that academic success for students learning from home. Thank you for joining me this week, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for continuing to join me as I explore the creation and sharing of this podcast. Feel free to check out my blog at positivelycroup.blogspot.com. That's positively, C-R-O-U-P-E, so positivelycroup.blogspot.com. Or feel free to connect on Twitter. My username is at educroup, E-D-U-C-R-O-U-P-E, at educroup. I look forward to connecting and hope you will join me again.